The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So... Go to podsurvey.com slash goodfootball and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash goodfootball. G-O-O-D-F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Thanks for your help. Hey everyone, Roto Worlds. Josh Norris here with another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. The last one of Week Six. As always, if you missed Thursday's episode with Ray Summerlin, Nick Minzio, Rich Rebar, check it out. It's good until Sunday afternoon when the games kick off. As is this one. Um, later on, I've got Roto Pat obviously to pick on his rankings. But first is Evan Silva in a car on the way to New Jersey. This dedication he has to this podcast, I love it. Um, Evan, what's up, my man? How are you doing? What's up, man? Doing well. Just spent about $13 on tolls, <laughs> and I'm about one one-hundredth of the way there. So. Nice. Nice. Um, well, let's talk about um, – this is a different one than we usually do. Obviously, Evan's matchups column um, is up on the site. You can read it. It has a lot of words about football. Um, but, Evan, this week is kind of an interesting one for DFS plays and DFS strategy. I, I know that typically – People tend to pay up for wide receivers, but you think a different approach should be taken this week? Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to, you know, tell anybody how to construct their daily fantasy lineup. I mean, you know, that's that's totally your call, and that's a personal thing, and you can win in a lot of different with a lot of different methods. Right. But this week, a lot of running backs stand out as having great, great matchups. Le'Veon Bell against the Dolphins. LaShawn McCoy against the 49ers, who have given up four straight, have allowed four straight 100-plus yard rushers. Kristen Michael is a guy who seems to be going overlooked so right. far, facing Atlanta in a, a great, great spot. Um, and conversely, the wide receivers are going up against difficult matchups. Right. DeMarco Murray will also be a really popular play against the Browns. So... It just seems like the running backs stand out as the best plays this week. And if you are wanting to get those guys into your lineup, I mean, they're not cheap. We have to come up with ways to allow you to fit them in. Right. So let, let's let's go with that. And there are three wide receiver names that are kind of in that mid-price range and even a little bit lower than that. Uh, the first is Amari Cooper. I believe on FanDuel he's 7100 um, obviously it's a 50, 50 split between he and Michael Crabtree who performs the best each and every week, but Amari's coming off a great game. 
Yeah, and we can remember in week two, I loved Amari Cooper. Yep. Or it, it might have been week three. Yeah, it was week three against the Titans. And because he was he just, this close to be creating big plays, right? Like fractionally right. close. Right. And and, and this, th- that same theme continued into week three when, you know, Derek Carr missed him for a wide open touchdown. You know, he didn't get both feet in bounds on a long catch. You know, just a bunch of bad breaks. And he continued to have those uh, in week four as well. But then in week four, in week five, everything kind of came together for him. Although he narrowly missed on a couple more touchdowns. But either way, now he has overtaken Michael Crabtree for the team target lead on the season. Um, And his matchup is outstanding this week against the Chiefs. He's going to run most of his routes against the Chiefs' number two corner, Philip Gaines, who Hmm. tore his ACL last year and has had more knee problems into this year. Uh, And it looks like Crabtree is going to square off primarily with Marcus Peters, who doesn't really scare me from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, he's a good corner. He makes a lot of plays. And I still think Crabtree can have a good week. Um, But Cooper has the best matchup. And the, the Chiefs are also really good at eliminating tight ends with Eric Berry in man coverage. So I think that this game has shootout potential. I mean, neither team is rushing the passer. Neither team is stopping the run. Um, and I, I think that Amari Cooper is ready to roll again this week. I think we'll see a lot of targets funneled to Crabtree and Cooper from Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, so perhaps Amari Cooper, is... Amari Cooper is awesome, dude. Yeah. I mean, I don't his his results so far have been kind of uneven. He's had some underwhelming games, but when you watch him play, like he stands out. He is fantastic. So perhaps this is an obvious question, but why will Amari get Philip Gaines and Crabtree get Marcus Peters? It's just the side of the field that they're going to line up on. Yeah, Marcus Peters never moves. He's okay. only LCB. Philip Gaines is only RCB, and Cooper tends to run most of his routes at right corners, whereas Crabtree does a little bit more slot work and does most of his route running against left cornerbacks. How about another receiver that uh, can create big plays when healthy, and that's John Brown of the Cardinals. Obviously, uh, this team, I believe, is coming off – no, not coming off a bye, but obviously coming off a team – a game where um, they had – Drew Stanton at quarterback, which is about the same thing. What about John Brown this week? You, you kind of like him. Yeah, I love him. He's in the exact same spot that Sammy Coates was last week. Mm-hmm. And, and Sammy Coates was one of the guys that we highlighted. And John Brown has similar big playability. He runs 4-3-4. I mean, his nickname is Smokey Brown. He has led the Cardinals in receiving in each of Carson Palmer's last two starts. Also leads them in targets uh, in, in, those, in those two games. And he started off slow after suffering a concussion in training camp and they brought him along slowly, but he's a full-time player now. Whereas Michael Floyd has kind of moved into almost a fourth receiver role. I mean, he's been out snapped by Jerron Brown in back-to-back games now. And John Larry Fitzgerald will continue to be the, the primary possession receiver, the primary red zone target. He's probably the best bet for a touchdown on the Cardinals. But John Brown is the best bet to make big plays down the football field. And I think that we will see him do that uh, on Monday Night Football. And and the Jets have kind of been susceptible to those big downfield vertical shots, haven't they? 
Oh, yeah. They've given up uh, the six most 20-plus yard com- completions this yeah. year. They're just slow in the back end. Whether they've got Darrell Revis in the lineup or not, they can't hang with speed receivers. And they're the prototypical funnel defense in that they will stop your running game and hemorrhage passing game points. So I, I really like the entire Cardinals passing game on Monday Night Football. Carson Palmer hasn't looked great so far, but everybody has been eating. All, all quarterbacks have been eating against this Jets pass defense. So when Drew Brees and the Saints are home, that kind of opens up every single player on yeah. that Saints offense. Um, maybe not the most notable name, but someone who's been playing a considerable amount of snaps over the last few weeks is Michael Thomas. Yeah, and just talking to other people and listening to other people on podcasts and on shows and in their articles, I feel like there hasn't been a whole lot of excitement yet at this point in the week where we're taping this during Thursday Night Football, and maybe people will start to get really excited on Friday, but (laughs) it seems like there hasn't been a lot of excitement so far about the Panthers-Saints game, but people should be really excited about this game. It's got the highest total on the week right opponents are elevated in addition to the saints whenever they play at the superdome michael thomas has very quietly led the saints in targets in each of the each of their last two games he has a touchdown each he leads the team in red zone targets on the season and he is the same price on FanDuel as cameron meredith who's going to be a really popular play this week so I think that my, yeah, I think that Michael Thomas uh, is a really interesting pivot off of Cameron Meredith, and based on his usage recently, like I wouldn't be opposed to using him in a cash game. You remember, we are trying to fit in these high-priced running backs, and we're looking for some value options at receiver, and Michael Thomas, I think, is a great value option. Yeah, so if he's the same price, that means 5400 Yeah, I mean, Evan, I already have my cash game lineup, and, and I have Le'Veon and LaShawn in there, and I'm using Cameron Meredith. So you at least, I at least might hedge myself a little bit here and have some shares of Michael Thomas. That's a good one. Um, let's end on a tight end, Evan. Uh, doesn't seem like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Tyler Eifert is destined to play, and if he does, he probably won't be a full workload. Um, so enter CJ Uzama, one of Nick Minzio's guys, who – like Amari Cooper has become has come very close to some touchdowns, some big plays, but it just has not worked out. Yeah, um, you know this is we're we're kind of digging deep here. Um, you know the the I think that the most common option, the most common approach this week will be to pay up for a tight end, whether it be Greg Olson or Delaney Walker. Right. I really like Travis Kelsey this week against the Raiders. Um, Jimmy Graham, another option as well. Yes, he'll be really popular. I think that Gronk will be popular, Martellus. Um, and there just aren't I, any like super cheap options at tight end anymore. Like we had Jesse James there for a while at 4500 Yeah. But nothing like that anymore. I think he's like 53 or 5400 now. Yeah, he's jumped up to 54 And I think that he's still a solid play. But CJ Uzoma on FanDuel is $500 less. And last week... He, he kind of pulled out ahead of Tyler Croft as the Bengals' primary t- tight end, played almost 80% of the snaps. Um, and I think that this is a game where the Patriots, who are very, you know, 
it's almost become a narrative that they try to take away the opponent's top weapon, but it's true. I mean, I've, I've talked to Ross Tucker specifically about this. Ross Tucker used to play for the Patriots, and he says that you know this is something that Bill Belichick actually talks about in the locker room. So it's not just a narrative. It's a real thing. And I think that we will see the Patriots try to eliminate A.J. Green, and that could create opportunities for other players, kind of like Giovanni Bernard and like C.J. Uzoma at his price. The, the Patriots have given up a ton of production to opposing tight ends over their last four games. Ryan Griffin of the Texans had eight catches against them. Jordan Cameron had a big game against them. Uh, Gary Barnage was pretty good against them last week. Connor Hamlet, the Browns' number two tight end, scored a touchdown against mm-hmm. them. Um, this is a game where the Bengals will most likely be playing from behind in Foxborough. And, you know, if you are looking for a cheap tight end, I think that C.J. Ozoma gives, gives you, you – know, I don't know about his upside, but I think that he gives you a chance to, 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 to pay back his salary and, and hit value at a $4,900 cost. And by focusing on A.J. Green, that most likely means the safety almost always over the top and – Theoretically, that's one less safety kind of in that middle of the field in the intermediate area. Um, cool, Evan. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy your car ride. Hopefully you have a book on tape. Um, and for everyone listening, we've got Roto Pat coming up uh, with his rankings. Hey, everyone. Roto World's Josh Norris back again with Pick on Pat. Patrick Doherty, everyone's favorite segment of the week. Pat, what's up with you, my man? Uh, not much. I should have pre-planned a joke because then otherwise I just come off like a slug. Uh, well, we did yeah. pre-plan something. Um, <laughs> how, how was your face today? Got to be honest, it's been pretty itchy all day, actually. Do you know been... like the origin story of your itchy face by chance? I have not shaved in multiple days. Wow. Josh. Imagine that. Imagine, <laughs> Pat. If I could tell you that you didn't have to go to like the drugstore anymore to get razors or shaving cream or any of that stuff, you could just go online at this computer you sit at for multiple hours a day blurbing about the Chicago Bears uh, injury report and go to <laughs> dollarshaveclub.com slash rotoworld and get your first month for free. How, how would you feel about that if I told you that that was possible? It creates very positive emotions, uh, and seriously, it's probably something I need to do. This has actually been kind of a distraction. I'm like, hmm. like, like a dog, like scratching fleas today. Um, I don't think that they have anything to turn you like away from becoming a dog, but they do have this really nice <laughs> shave butter that like is super smooth on the skin. And I got the executive blade, and they also have like body lotion and aftershave lotion and all these nice things again you can go to dollarshaveclub.com pat slash world get that first month for free after that it's just a few dollars per month on that first month all you have to do is pay shipping again no hidden fees no long-term commitment so like if your face goes back to normal like that (laughs) that 12 year old look that you always have going um you can just cancel like there's really no reason not to do it so pat next week i don't want any excuses i want you to go to dollarshaveclub.com Slash Roto World, and get that first month for free. I think your wife will be appreciated as well. She will. No more excuses. No more excuses. All right, let's get to your rankings. Some interesting ones this week. Uh, I always, I don't. I hope you don't take this personal when I do this, Pat. But like, obviously, whenever someone looks at rankings and 
picks out ones, it's because they're different than their own opinion. The first one is Ezekiel Elliott going up against the Green Bay Packers um, away on the road uh, against a Packers team that has only allowed 171 rushing yards this entire year. But Pat, you have him as running back five this week. Yeah, you know, I knew this was going to be an interesting one before I did, like, any research for the week, like, where I was, where I was going to have Zeke because he's the NFL's leading rusher by 85 yards. Like, he's running away with the title right now, quite literally and figuratively, and uh, he's gotten better each week. His yards per carry has gone up every week since week one, kind of peaking at 8.93 last Sunday against a Bengals run defense, you know, doesn't have like an elite reputation, but it's certainly not someone you usually average nine yards per carry against. And so, you know, he's been arguably the best running back in the league so far. And you know, looking at this like supposedly super difficult matchup and yeah. like you said with the Packers, I mean, the stats are extremely impressive. I mean, two, 2.0 yards per carry, like 43 yards per game. But if you dig just a little bit deeper uh, <laughs> to say they have not, faced a legitimate running back yet would be a bit of an understatement uh give me the names week week one they faced tj yeldon who found out he was starting like 45 minutes before the game and is running behind one of the worst run blocking lines the nfl and week two they played the vikings who you know they injured adrian peterson during the game who was also running behind one of the worst running uh, offensive lines in the league and then week three they got wide receiver starting at running back theo riddick hmm. and then finally they had orleans darkwa leading the giants backfield so uh, the numbers are impressive but i'd say those are the kind of numbers you should have that's the, the slate of running backs you face so i think this can be kind of a bit of a hashtag exposure week for the supposedly impenetrable Packers run defense and the Cowboys we know they're not going to go away from the run we know how elite the line is so I just think there's enough evidence to keep betting on Zeke this week you've kind of sold me a little bit and I'm sure like on on daily sites he'll be super low owned this week oh yeah extremely so hashtag contrarian play how about Isaiah Crowell you have him as running back 17 this is an interesting one to me because I looked at the rest of your rankings and just my own dilemma this week I have Isaiah Crowell I have Gio Bernard and I have Theoretic, and I have to start two of those. Um, again, maybe not running back is my best position on that roster. Uh, but you have Crowell, like clearly the top ranked of those, and really heading into the week because of Jeremy Hill's injury, I need to look at that and update it. But um, I had Theoretic and, and Giovanni Bernard as my top two. So sell me on, on Crowell here a little bit. Crowell's another guy. I've got him in RB17 right now, which. To be honest, it's kind of low based on his performance so far. He's top five in rushing still, averaging like 5.6 yards per carry. And really, you know, every week you look at Isaiah Crowell and you don't like his game script. And it finally kind of got him last week. You know, they got blown out by the Patriots. But he got off to actually a decent start before Cody Kessler got hurt. But so, you know, there's always going to be maybe game script concerns with Isaiah Crowell, but I do, do not see them this week. And against the Titans, you know, the Titans offense kind of supposedly awoke last week, but you know, four or five games, Marcus Mariota has not been good. I do not think this is going to be a high scoring game. Yeah, I do not think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think the Browns are going to be able, a very run committed team, I think they're going to be able to stay committed to the run all afternoon. And I just think it's another week where. You know, I think he's going to have positive game script, and he's just been so good. Like, how can you not have him in the top 20? So, so and, and I saw that Jeremy Hill, just again for my sake, because everyone wants to hear about my fantasy team, Jeremy Hill was upgraded to a full participant in practice on Thursday. 
Um, so I'm but guessing the problem is the problem is he remains Jeremy Hill. Well, yes, but but I'm talking about in terms of Gio Bernard. So so in terms of that, you'd say start Crowell over Gio. Uh, yes, absolutely. Because I just yeah yeah I mean you know every week you know he's been getting 15 carries every week he busts like a 30 or 40 yard run he's going to get scoring chances. I just think does Hughes it concern think, you at all that his his one of the best guards in the league is now out in Joel Petonio? Yeah, he's getting back uh, one of the highest drafted centers in the league and Cameron <laughs> Irving. So I don't know. Football's a give and take, Josh. It is. It is. Let's move on to someone who might start giving a little bit more to his owners, and that is Quincy Anunwa. Uh, you have him as wide receiver 33. Obviously, uh, in the past few weeks, um, it hasn't gone that well for Quincy Anunwa in terms of his fantasy production, but now we most likely will see him 100% in the slot um, going up against Arizona Cardinals, obviously Tyron Matthew. What makes you think that he's – uh, not a wide receiver two, but kind of stuck firmly in the middle of wide receiver three area. Yeah, you know, people got a little overzealous, I think, with how do you how do you pronounce this by the way? I say I say Anunwa. I don't know. I think I'm I, right, I, you're I, wrong. We'll just I definitely defer to you on the pronunciation because <laughs> you probably followed him in college. Yeah, uh, not so much. Yeah, people got a little overexcited about him though, you know, when he had like that kind of freakishly high targeted. I can't remember if it was week one or week two, but just got all those targets, but you know, now with Eric Decker's out, he's I think he's basically locked in to like kind of at minimum seven to eight weekly targets. And Brandon Marshall is going to be occupied with Patrick Peterson. And you know, the Jets are not going to be able to lean on their running game in this game against the Cardinals. They're going to have to be throwing all day. And Tyron Matthews off to a bit of a slow start, actually. Uh, pro football focus, our friends, is graded him actually with a negative coverage grade. And I just think it's going to be just – all the factors point to him getting at least seven or eight targets. And this week, that's more than enough to kind of put him in the top 36. How about another darling of fantasy Twitter over the last week and a half? Uh, Cameron Meredith, the number one wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Seriously, oh uh, my God. You have him as wide receiver 44 this week. Again, I mean, this is someone who was probably the most added receiver on waiver wires this week. Why? And, and most likely used a lot in fantasy uh, and daily fantasy this weekend because I know on FanDuel his price is like 5400 or something. Um, what, what are your hesitations with him? Is it just a one-week wonder, you think? Yeah, I mean, this one's just really tough because it was a really, really great one week. But I mean, we're talking about a former undrafted free agent who just got a third of his career targets in one game. He has... 36 career targets and 12 of them came last week. And it's an offense for, you know, Brian Hoyer, you know, this week defiantly, like I'm going to spread the ball around. So just to think there's, so you got an offense where you're spreading the ball around to Alshon Jeffrey, Eddie Royal, Zach Miller, Cameron Meredith. So to me, the target share could be unreliable. And really you have a Jaguars defense. It's actually kind of underrated against the pass, in my opinion. They're allowing fewer than 200 yards per game, and they've already faced Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, and Phillip Rivers. And they're allowing like 6.1 yards per pass attempt. And they're coming off by. They've had two weeks to game plan for Brian Hoyer. So I just think this could be a bit of an exposure week, another one, hashtag exposure week for a Bears offense that has maybe been playing above its head uh, since Brian Hoyer has been put under center. And just Meredith is a little too volatile for me this week. Yeah, and, and Reeves pointed out that the Jaguars have only allowed two wide receivers to go over 80 yards so far this season. 
Um, yes, that's, this is why we pay Reeves the big bucks, man. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to, I think, the first defense mention on this here podcast. Um, <laughs> first and only, question mark? You have the <laughs> Buffalo Bills as the number one rated defense this week. Now, I know you, Pat. I know you kind of hedge on the side of caution. Uh, so, really, I think this really points out how little faith you have in Colin Kaepernick changing at all the San Francisco 49ers offense. Well, it's weird. I actually really want to have faith in it because, I mean, I basically completely I, – I used to be Colin Kaepernick and Chip Kelly truther, like a truther for both of them. Okay. And I have essentially lost all faith in both of them, which makes me sad and, like, I want them to do well, but – yeah, you know, the Bills actually so far are, I think, the number two defense by overall fantasy points and have obviously been playing much better the past three or four weeks. And, I mean, you got a team making a quarterback change, making one of the longest road trips in the entire continental United States this week. The 49ers going from San Francisco to upstate New York to play a 1 p.m. Eastern game. It's just. I think the deck is really stacked against the 49ers having an effective offensive weekend. I'm just going to keep riding the hot hand in the Bills defense. All of the narratives. I loved all those. <laughs> and it, it's, it's pretty amazing what this Bills defense has done, uh, even without like Marcel Darius and like the two rookies that they drafted in April that were going to be starters in Shaq Lawson and Reggie Ragland as well. Yeah, especially considering how awful they looked in, like, week one. And may, I can't remember if they looked bad in week two. I think week two is maybe that game against the Jets. Right. And, yeah, got off to a poor start. They have not been, yeah, like you said, at full strength. And yet they've been playing some vintage Rex Ryan football. It's, so. it's really that whole team because I was on LaShawn McCoy, like, everywhere in terms of preseason. And then week one happened, and I was like, no, nah, I'm getting off already. But now he's, <laughs> he's, he's amazing. Like, he's – I would say he's a – top five running back shady's been a top five running back yeah he's had a really tough uh run schedule and averaging over five yards per carry that should change obviously this week because uh the 49ers are allowing uh 167 rushing yards on average over the last four games um yeah and and and, and even with jeremy curley because he's the one that's been getting the targets on that 49ers roster uh like nickel roby is one of the best slot corners at least been playing like it seems over the Last recent weeks, he has been, yeah, he's been playing out of his mind. And Curly had kind of, even in standard leagues, been trending towards like wide receiver three status. But you know, we're going from you know, with all apologies to Checkdown King Charlie Whitehurst, the true Checkdown King is Blaine Gabbert, and he was checking down to Jeremy Hill, Jeremy Curly, essentially every other play. And right. there's one thing you can say about Colin Kaepernick's game is that he's not really known for his uh, short area yeah. touch. So. Yeah, Curly's kind of a guy I'm kind of sad to already be, like, be fading in the rankings, but so it goes. I will say, hopefully Colin Kaepernick can hit on like that deep post that Blaine Gabbert has missed on like every Dude, single 49ers so games. So, I don't know if I've ever you – know, I, I clearly have, but last Thursday night was one of the worst quarterback oh performances I've ever seen. From Blaine Gabbert, no, no, well, from Blaine Gabbert or any quarterback, <laughs> and and it, it's like a it's a given touchdown each time he makes that throw because the guy is just streaking wide open in the middle of the field. And I think I mean I haven't watched every single 49ers game this year, but every single one I've watched, he's missed the throw. It's unbelievable. He's usually like forty five feet too high. It's somehow, so even though he's usually throwing turf bullets. Uh, I will uh, one last note on the Bills yeah. defense. I will say. I'd be all about them getting exposed. Like I'd be all about Cap okay. and Chip Kelly getting a cooking this week, but I just don't think it's likely. Got it, Pat. 
You're the man for everyone. You can check out Pat's rankings, obviously, on rotoworld.com. They're updated all the way up until the Sunday games. Uh, Pat's on his computer all weekend just for you. Um, and to go to dollarshaveclub.com slash rotoworld. Pat, thanks, buddy. My pleasure, Josh. Next week. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.